Welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. Every week on our show, we turn on Netflix to watch a romantic comedy because we found out romantic comedies are pretty awesome. Yeah. They're not lame like everybody says they are. Except when they are. <laughs> but then we figure out why they are. You yeah. Know? That's yeah. what we're doing here. We're, we're watching good and bad and figuring out what makes a good story. And we're having fun and learning a lot. Okay, that's enough from me. Ashley, what are we watching? Today we are watching 1965's Do Not Disturb. Sounds sexy. I guess. <laughs> it stars Doris Day, so, so it's, there's not going to be anything. Not sexy. <laughs> there's not going to be nothing. Nothing. So, on Netflix, the description is, When Janet's businessman husband spends more time with his attractive secretary than with her, she invents a secret admirer. Woo! It really sounds like it's going to be bad. <laughs> sounds like uh, someone who's jealous for no reason. Yeah. And I really dislike when people are jealous for no reason. Well, and I just like the trope. I hate the trope. Yeah. It's so dumb. Like, we were watching, we watched the first episode of Childhood Childhood End. It's like a miniseries that Sci-Fi is doing. Mm-hmm. And Tywin Lannister is, like, the chief of the, the aliens that invade that's called the Overlords. So I just think it's incredibly appropriate. But, um... <laughs> The, one of the characters was married before and his wife died and the his fiance now is like super jealous that the aliens like sent him the image of his dead wife to like comfort him in the time of invasion because mm-hmm. it's like supposed to be a peaceful invasion but they do have laws that they implement over humanity to make them more humane. Okay. It's interesting but long story short she is totally jealous of this man's dead wife and the fact that he still loves her. And I'm like, dude, it is totally appropriate that he is not over his dead wife. Like, you are fine. He still loves you. He just loves her still, too. And that's totally okay. Like, get over it and stop being jealous. She is dead. Yeah. Our heart can hold many people, you know? Yeah. In different ways. Yeah, and jealousy over somebody who he lost and loved deeply is just so dumb. Yeah, like, what is she gonna do? Come back from the dead and steal him away? Yeah. So, like... I hope that happens in the show. I don't know. I Keep me will, informed. I will. I will. <laughs> but, yeah, I was, like, sitting here and I was just getting huffy and he's like, are you just mad because, like feminism and I was like no I'm mad because she's jealous for no reason and it's dumb because it's a stupid trope that they do with men and with women and I hate it yeah and it just perpetuates if it's in the media and perpetuating it then people in real life do it and it's stupid yeah we're about to watch a movie about it probably (laughs) damn it stupidity you are the reason why do not disturb (laughs) anyway the movie stars Doris Day, Rod Taylor, Hermione Badley, Badley? Yeah. I'm just going to say it that way. Um, it was directed by Ralph Levy. It's an hour and 42 minutes long, and on Netflix, it's rated three and a half stars. So it'll be average. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Whenever they rate it this high, we always hate it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're already going in being like, nope, don't like it. Well, I mean, we are mourning a loss. Aww. Carrie, we love you. 
I miss you so much. Why can't they all be you? We're not laughing or crying. This is sound of my tears. Can't you hear it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can't stop now. Okay, cut away. Cut away. I can't stop. Let's go. Let's go watch it. Let's go. <laughs> yep. Okay, we're back. We just watched um whatever that was. Do not disturb. <laughs> You've already forgotten. I'm already blocking it out. I want to like scrub my brain, scrub my eyeballs. You want to you want to make your brain as much of a virgin to that movie as Doris Day wanted to be in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell I I'm I want to know all of what you learned about Doris Day. So, Doris Day was married four times. No, Cary Grant was married, like, five times. Yeah, I know. It's just that time. That's that era. Divorce was a thing, and it was popularly used. Got it. But, like, her life was, like, really sad. She had a son. Her son recently committed suicide in 2002. She's still alive. How old is she? She's 91. Where does she live? Here? It doesn't specify on the Wikipedia page, but I think so. Actually, I could picture her, like, in Arizona or something. I could, I could see that, yeah. Her life is just terribly sad and upsetting. That sounds terribly sad and upsetting. It is. <clears throat> They're not sure when her exact birthday is. That's she was thing. either born in, 19, or, uh, in 1922 or in 1924, around that time. So she's either 91 or 93. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she was married four times. First uh, husband was Al Jordan. Second husband was George Weedler. Third husband was Martin Metchler, which... Um, is who adopted her son, who became Terry Metchler. And then Barry Comden was her last husband, who she was married to until his death. Metchler was the one she was married to when she made this movie. Yes. Because he had her attorney, uh, he had her power of attorney. Which I can't find why, why he was given power of attorney. I don't know. Yeah. But she was... Very big in animal activism. Oh, yay. When her third husband, Martin Metchler, died on April 20th of 1968, a shocked day discovered that Metchler and his business partner, Jerome Bernard uh, Rosenthal, had squandered her earnings, leaving her deeply in debt. Rosenthal had been her attorney since 1949 when he represented her in her uh, uncontested divorce action against her second husband, saxophonist George Weedler. In February 1969, Day filed suit against Rosenthal and won the then largest civil judgment over $20 million in the state of California. She later settled for about one quarter of the amount originally awarded. Day also learned that Metzler had committed her to a television series which became the Doris Day Show. Her son Terry rented the house at which Sharon Tate and her friends were murdered by the Manson family. Yep. Charles Manson was looking for... Doris Day. No, was looking for the son. Oh. Yeah. Melcher had auditioned Manson for a recording contract, but rejected him. And there was a rumor after the murders that Manson had intended to send a message to Melcher, a theory that police later discounted creepy. Doris Day 
reportedly did not like swear words. As a recording artist, she would require anyone who said a swear word to put a quarter in a swear jar. In addition, she does not allow her songs to be used in movies that contain swear words. She would not like me. No. If you haven't noticed, I'm the reason why our podcast is explicit. (laughs) She underwent a hysterectomy during the filming of Julie in 1956 after being diagnosed with a tumor the size of a grapefruit that was growing into her intestines. Yeah, they said that she um, became depressed during this time and she refused to get it checked. Hmm. So she knew about it and she refused to get it checked for, I think it was like two years. Damn. And then the depression went away after she finally had it checked because it was found to be benign yeah. and not cancerous. Girl is a little a little childish from what I have read. But she has had a horrible life. Yeah. Her dreams of a dancing career were dashed when a car accident on October 13th, 1937 badly damaged her legs. She spent most of her teenage years wheelchair bound and during this time began singing on the radio. She was also um, in Move Over Darling, which was in 1963, which was a comeback vehicle for Marilyn Monroe, but filming was suspended following Monroe's dismissal and her subsequent death. Oh. She turned down the role of Mrs. Robinson in The Graduate. Yeah, I knew that. She briefly dated Ronald Reagan. This is here her son died of melanoma. No one said she, he committed suicide. This says her only child, Terry Melter, died of melanoma on October 19th. Okay, so his Wikipedia says, oh, wait, 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 wait. It might be her first husband. They might have just written it wrong on Wikipedia. Anyway. She's referenced in a lot of songs, a lot of pop songs. She's referenced in Greece. Mm-hmm. When Sandra D died in 2005, Day and Annette Funicello became the last living American cinema sweethearts mentioned in the popular song Look at Me, I'm Sandra D from the movie Grease. Other sweetheart mentioned uh, Troy Donahue and Rock Hudson died in later years following the release of the film. Do not disturb! Me with this movie? Ooh. <laughs> it's from Fox. Blame Fox. I can't blame Fox. People at Fox don't they canceled Firefly. <laughs> that I can blame them for. That I was alive for. This I wasn't, so I can't really blame them for things that I weren't alive. You blamed during. the British for Miranda. <laughs> I've grown sensitive in my old age. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we can blame Fox for this movie. I'm sorry, Fox. I don't know. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't want to say it wasn't terrible, but... It was terrible. Where where were you? Did you not notice that there was music playing throughout the entire movie? I don't know. I was sleeping. <laughs> okay. Um, so it was filmed in Cinemascope, but it was one of those, like, it was a, it, it looked like a version that they air on TV where, like, the beginning and the end are in Cinemascope, but the middle is not. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason that makes that sense, I don't know because that does not make sense to me. Or to the rest of the filmmaking world. Okay, so it starts out with an animated opening credit sequence, which I hated. They were stick figures. I really... It just reminded me of things I hated in my childhood. (laughs) I would have been better... I would have liked this movie better if the entire thing was animated. Maybe. 
I feel like it would have been better. Because it started off and there were pretty colors and there was like, it felt like I could touch the paint. I didn't like the animation style. It was too 60s. Well, this was the 60s. It was too 60s. It was the ugly form of the 60s, like her clothes. Oh my god. Her clothes were horrible. Okay, so we're in London and we start out with Doris Day learning how to make money for a cab. Like make change give them money i didn't even things. write that down i was just like ditzy doris day is in london right she goes and sees her husband mike and tells him that she just found an awesome house for them to live in in the country and he's so mad because he wants to live in the city well he also okay so this was the first in instance of realizing that these people have horrible communication skills because he was not listening to her and she was not, she was just over-talking him and being like, well, this is what I want, so deal with it. He was on the phone, too. Yeah, so, like, why was she talking to him? She was just like, look, honey, I found this. Pay attention to me. Get off the damn phone. I'm like, okay. Yeah. She didn't really do that, but that's how, like, I envision somebody who just constantly continues to talk to somebody while they're having a conversation on the phone. <laughs> oh, but there was one funny thing in the whole movie, and it happened at that first scene at the cab where there was that American Revolution burn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> burn. Okay, British people are to blame for Miranda, but... <laughs> They do know how to give you a nice, like, selective burn against the American Revolution. <laughs> she was like, well, why don't we have the same they, money? Yeah, well, it would just be a whole lot simpler if we all had the same money. And the cabbie goes, well, about that. Yeah. You guys had to have your, like, whole American Revolution thing. We tried, but yeah. it didn't work. are <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> and then that's where the funny stopped. Yeah. Bring the cab driver back. <laughs> yeah. Where? But, yeah, she just, she buys a house in Kent, which is outside of London. Mm-hmm. I know this because and Kent is in Harry Potter. Yeah, and their landlady is named Vanessa. Oh, I didn't even catch that because she disappears. They said her name bazillion times. Really? Yeah. I think I was just tuning out this movie. <laughs> and she was in it a lot, too. Not she, really. She was playing the whole game in the beginning with... Oh, their landlady. Oh, oh. Not the housekeeper. Not the housekeeper. See, this is where I'm confused because there's so many non-sequential characters to this damn movie. Non-substantial. Non-substantial. <laughs> Did I say non-sequential? <laughs> <Yeah>, like... <laughs> <laughs> the characters do not fit inside their little stereotypical boxes. Yes, the housekeeper, I don't know what her name is, but their landlady, her name is Vanessa. Yes. Okay, so one of the first scenes is Doris Day. Her character's name is Janet, and her husband's name is Mike. Okay, so she's driving, she has to drive Mike to the train station so he can go to work, but they're getting lost because she doesn't know where she is. And there's the most stupid joke about them almost hitting a truck carrying cars. And, like, the off screen you hear the noise of the cars falling, but they're all just, like, neatly placed around their car. I wanted to turn it off at that point. Really? I wanted to turn it off the first time Doris Day laughed. 
It was like Umbridge on steroids with creepy cats. She even... Oh, I have a question for the Harry Potter costume designer. Because they shared very similar tastes in outfits and the color pink. Well, Doris Day wears a lot of white, though. Because she's like, I'm a virgin who's been married a lot. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's just skip right past that point. <laughs> Mike takes over the car driving and he just heads back home and his secretary Claire shows up to pick him up and takes off to work and all the while Janet's trying to save a fox yes there was an adorable highly drugged fox (laughs) (laughs) this was the most docile fox I have ever seen yeah she thinks it's a dog and like while Mike's like bye she's like what kind of dog are you and then oh you're a fox and then this like whole fox hunt comes up and there's dogs and guys on horses they're on her property legit (laughs) yeah i don't think you're supposed to do that even if the fox like yeah it's like get your horses off my lawn (laughs) yeah i mean they were clearly on the fox lot (laughs) the the painted house the house that was like painted with the background (laughs) yes but did have a little smoking chimney. That was fake. That yes. was so fake. Yeah, they 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 lived in a painting. Yeah, they did. Um, so I she- would watch that movie though. I would watch a movie about people who live inside a painting. It probably would be ten times better than this movie. Yeah, we really hated this movie. So she keeps the fox and tells the guys to piss off, pretty much. Yeah, in her American way. In her American Doris Day kind of pouty way. Get off my property. Get off my property. She doesn't have a British accent. (laughs) But she's got like an American actor's accent. She's got a weird 50s accent, yes. Okay, Mike in the office. He, He works for wool. He's a wool salesman. Yeah, they, they make, kept saying what their wool sale, like, their wool company was, but I don't remember I what don't, it was. I don't, I did not understand it at all. I just know there's a lot of fashion designing in it, and he's, like, fixing the women's clothes by tearing off pieces of it. Because that's what they did in the 60s. Yep. That's how you fix it. You, you rip it. Janet. Rip it good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Janet calls Mike, which had no point. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, what movie, what in this whole entire movie had a point? Sometimes there were points to a scene, you know, but sometimes there weren't. But they didn't have, like, overreaching points to the entire movie. The overreaching point is that... Mike and Janik need to learn how to communicate with one another. they keep thinking each other is cheating, so they're trying to understand each other, but not. But understand each other... The way that they're the the significant other wants to under like it was like Janet had this vision of what Mike was supposed to be and he was not following along with that exactly and he had this vision of what she was supposed to be and she wasn't really following along with it because she was kind of a ditz and not like yeah not following along with his plan well Mike is stressing out because he's got this new job in London he's got all these people to impress you know yeah and he's working all these long hours 
And the thing with the guys that he works with, they have a lot of social events and they say, don't bring your wife. I don't, like, I, I really want to know if this is a thing. Like, okay, so if you're, you go to work and you go to start working for these people and they're like, yeah, we go to all these, like, clubs and shit after work and we, we have a good time, but you, you, you can't have your wife around ever we don't want to know about her we don't want to meet her we don't want to like i really want to know if that's a thing like if that if sam like had that happen i'd be like dude then you gotta quit because that's weird mm-hmm. like there's some there's some sh- uh, like some grade a level shit that's going on in that and i don't want you a part of it because nobody can touch your c- clean beautiful crazy beardiness okay <laughs> That was a rant that was, like, totally unintended, and it wasn't fully formed in my brain, so it just came out, like, prematurely. It's all right. It's all right. I've totally confused Justine now. Yeah, I'm like, where do I go from here? Where do we go (laughs) from here? Hand in hand, we walk alone in fear. Tell me, where Where do we we go go from from here? (laughs) That's how I feel about this movie. (laughs) See, Buffy the, the musical, the single episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that is a musical is better than this movie. Oh yeah, no question. One episode of television is better than this two-hour movie. I feel like that should establish a a good threshold for this podcast. Because I, I don't even really want to go through, like, the, the, the little bullshit that happened, because I don't even remember it at this well, point. I wrote it down. Okay. That's why. Let's get to, to Paris. Paris was interesting. Okay, hold on. Okay, so Mike has a dinner meeting with clients instead of having the planned dinner with his wife. And after his clients leave, he's just there with his secretary, Claire, and their landlord, Vanessa, is there and sees him just, you know, dining with this woman. Clearly it looks, it looks scandalous. Yeah. Um, so when he comes home the next night, he sees there's a goat in their living room and then when he goes upstairs, he nearly electrocutes himself because he plugs in a U.S. plug into a European outlet. That didn't make sense because that wasn't explained at all. Yeah, and then he sits on a chair that she just painted that day, so he's just very angry with her and that she's always painting and he has to live in the country and the house isn't done and everything's a mess and... He said that he sent her a telegram, and she didn't get it, and she's like, well, I want to have an argument right now, let's argue, and he's like, Very accurate. Yeah, and she's like, it'll be the first time in three years we've actually communicated, and I'm like, ooh, they got problems. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They've only been married five years. (laughs) When you explain it like this, it sounds like two, like, teenagers in a relate, like, in, like, your senior year, and you've been with this person for the last whatever and you you've just you're so whiny and annoying that it it kills your friends souls around you and that's what this movie is okay see i'm just gonna come up with really ridiculous things that this movie is so here's the next line she says which is supposedly the plot point of this movie is you take me for granted 
I know. It doesn't... It doesn't... It doesn't okay. really adhere to this, but it is, they're loosely trying to go here. But the only thing that I could think that, like, he's taking for granted of is that she's at home all day. But even then, he's really not, because that's what is... That's what she wants to do. Like, this is what she wants to do. She's getting what she wants. It, she just... I don't know. She wanted him to be home with her. But he, he has to work so that he can pay for the pretty things. Yeah, I know. I know that. I don't know what they're fighting about. I'm just confused. Yeah, I'm confused about why this makes a whole big difference of that they live in Kent instead of London. Well, I mean, Kent is... Kent is, like, a 20-minute train ride from London. Right? But they got the huge house. But he didn't want it. He wanted his damn apartment so well, he could be close to work. She's got to stay in it, so I think she gets to choose where she stays all day. Oh, no, I agree. Like, she's getting what she wants, and, like, the country is pretty and whatever. If she, But if she really wanted him to be home, like, be closer at a, to work. Yeah, like, be at a reasonable time, then, you know, why not, like, take the compromise and just be closer to work if you're wanting him to be there? That's what I don't get. Yeah. Okay, so then the telegram shows up, and then they make up. Because they laugh about it. Yeah. They don't solve anything. They're just like, ah, ha, ha. Oh, it's all so silly. Why is, yeah, it's just dumb. Okay, so the next day, Vanessa and Janet go shopping. They're shopping for antiques. They're trying to find antiques from this guy, Paul Bellari. It's the best antique store in town. Oh, Kent is actually a two-hour and 41-minute train ride from London. This does not make any sense. I feel, okay, now that I've seen this and actually looked look this up, I feel like some person um, at Fox just threw a dart <laughs> at an English city. Kent sounds nice. Yeah. Kent's in the country. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where they went. Because that just doesn't, that's not logical. To take a two hour and 41 minute train to and from work. Yeah. Which sounds horrible because don't you take a three hour bus? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's what I do. But still, it's an hour drive. That's, that's too much. This movie just got even nuttier. <laughs> so, she checks in with the mic. No, Mike's at the company flat, but he's actually, like, at this company party with the secretary. It's this little business shindig. And so, it's okay, you can go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and so Janet goes there. Like, she rings the off and says, he's at the flat. And they say, you can go see him. And she's like, okay, since I'm here in town. So she goes to visit him at the flat and she sees it's a shindig and he's there and stuff and then she goes into the bedrooms and she sees women's clothes in the closet and she gets all angry and she leaves and of course we know that this is just what he does for a living yeah like how does she not know how does she not know that this is what he like does she just not pay attention to this man at all like i can understand why he would be like annoyed with her at this point. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't try to know him at all. So then Vanessa comes up with this plan about inventing a lover. You know, a little secret admirer to make your hubby jealous. Because that's what you do. You don't confront the problem. You just... You make it worse. You exacerbate it. Yeah. But, but, our gal Janet 
when she gets the flowers, Mike says, who's the flowers from? And they say, oh, it's Vanessa. She's invented this plan to so that I have a secret admirer to make you jealous. Like, she's like, I thought it was dumb. I don't want to do it. So that's what that is about. But it would be nice if you could come home at a reasonable hour, essentially. Yeah, uh, and then she talks about the clothes and he's like, obviously the clothes were what I do for a living. And she's <laughs> just like, oh... But they look like her size, and they were her fashion type. So, in the days to come, she gets more and more gifts from the secret admirer, perfume and poems and stuff, and he says the gifts are way too obvious. No real lover would send such gifts. He he knows. He's like, Yeah, and then she, her response is, well, you sound like you have experience on that level. Yeah. But then... She gets um, some more flowers, some roses, probably. We don't get to see because they were crushed. Yes, but it was a big box. And um, they had a name on it. It was from Paul Bellari. And Mike's like, well, who's this guy? Blah, blah, blah. He's mad. He goes and confronts him. Well... First he confronts her and he's like, is that what Vanessa has started to call has started to call herself now? And it's like, okay, he's flying off the handle. He has no idea what the situation is. He's not giving her any chance to communicate. This is his first problem is he just gets too angry. Yeah, he gets super angry super fast. Yeah, and doesn't allow any type of like explanation for the situation. And this is part of my problem because I have a temper. But it is a thing that is manageable, dude. Like, calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah, why should she marry him? Yes, why? Why are these two people married? Because she is, like, crazy, doesn't know anything that's going on, doesn't try to get to know her husband, is just married to him. And he is just angry. Mm-hmm. I understand he's stressed, but still, he's just angry. Mm-hmm. So... Mike goes to Bellari's shop, but he's not there, but his, like, assistant or so is there and tells him that stop. Well, his new secretary. Yes. Because she tells No, the guy, Mr. Graves. Oh, Mr. Graves is, like, the vice president, like, helper dude. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It just tells him to, like, stop pussyfooting around my wife. Oh, that. Okay. My bad. I was confused as to where we were. Yeah, and then, like, the next day or whatever, or Bellari shows up at the house because he's gotten this, like, threatened, you know, note from Mike. He wanted to see what all the fuss was about. Yeah, he wanted to make sure he wasn't losing a potential client. Yeah. He's there to, I don't know, redecorate the house. So they go shopping, and then he's like, oh, man, you know, it'd be so great if we went to Paris. There's a table there you would totally Totally like. Yeah. And then they get to Paris, Mm -hmm. and he's like, let's get turned up for what? (laughs) Drink, 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 drink. (laughs) (laughs) High five. (laughs) That was literally what happened in Paris. (laughs) Like, okay, so... He takes her to, okay, who was this family? Who I don't, was this well, family? Well, they own the shop, or at least they're irresponsible for unlocking his store. <laughs> I don't understand. They go to this random, random family's house. Uh-huh. 
which has like 38 children. <laughs> and okay, and so these children are like pounding back the wine, which I don't know where the wine came from. They just like showed up with wine glasses and it's France. <laughs> okay, but seriously, I I've never been to France, so I can't really 100% say. I'll find out when we go to Europe for my honeymoon, but seriously, like, I know that they drink, and they let the children drink, but do they let the children drink that much? This is, like, Fox's interpretation of Paris, though, so. Okay, so this is, this is Paris this through is an American glass. This is not a documentary. <laughs> yes, but there were, like, actual Europeans on this set, so I'm assuming that they did get some European influence, and if there no. wasn't any European influences, those actors are responsible and they should have spoken up because they're the reason that these stereotypes are alive and well. Hello, white guys in charge. <laughs> Speak up. Call your union rep. <laughs> so the children give her wine. Every child has a glass of wine for her. Yeah, all 38 of them. <laughs> Okay, so he takes her to see the table. After she is, like, drunk. Yeah. And then they play soccer in the streets. Which I don't know why this was relevant. And then they go to a French cafe and have champagne. Okay, so I guess my question now is, was, since this is Fox's interpretation of Paris, were these scenes specifically just put in there to be like, look, we understand things in Paris because they drink and they let their kids drink and they play soccer and and they have cafes that they give you lots of booze. I think they were trying to present a romantic environment. She was having fun. I didn't get romance out of this. A drunken environment. (laughs) Yeah, I got like rape, 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 rape. (laughs) Oh, the good old rape song. (laughs) If we were, like, a real radio show, we would just have a button for that. A soundboard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just us singing rape. <laughs> Go back and check out our future, our, our past episodes. So, for and for some reason, Mike gives a hoot. I don't remember why, but he calls home. Well, he calls home because he's been accused of this. And then, like, he's under the impression that his wife is telling the truth. So, he wants to call and check on her because he's been angry probably wants to apologize probably wants to make sure she's not crying and in a corner somewhere but she's not there in fact the housekeeper's like oh she went to paris with some guy don't worry she'll be back (laughs) yeah like literally like that yeah (laughs) like no one is concerned except for mike who flies off the handle again yeah and then we're back with janet and she is smashed Worse than before. Yeah. And so she goes out into the fog. And gets lost. And then Paul finds her in the fog, and they go into the shop, and then they get locked in the shop. By the family with 38 children. Yep. So they're stuck in there. With a bed. Yep. Mike meets up with Vanessa and starts calling Paul a sex maniac. (laughs) Why? I don't know. He's never met the guy. <laughs> I don't know where this phrase came from. No, this was just, like, thrown out there, and it's like, hey, we're in the 60s. We can say things like this now. Yeah. It's like, um, but you're not using it in any context? Yeah. 
She's like, what's my wife doing with a sex maniac? We're like, what? <laughs> she went to Paris to get a, a table. table. Okay, so she's like totally blitzed now, but <laughs> wasn't her intention. I mean, well, if you were home, she wouldn't have to find fun in other means, you know. He was coming home, though. She just wanted a damn table <laughs> for his wedding anniversary present, <laughs> which never... Okay, so with how big of a deal this whole wedding anniversary thing was, this is how I thought it was going to end. I thought that they were going to have, like, a really nice wedding anniversary and they were going to go over what they learned for the year and how they were going to communicate better and how they were going to have a better relationship like normal people would. (laughs) And no, it was not like that at all. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) They did not solve their problems. This is a movie about nothing where people get hit for no reason. Of course the the poor wine family next door don't have a phone. So Janet's trying to call her house, but nobody's at her house cuz Mike went to Vanessa's and Paul gives her more champagne and gets Randy. Yeah. They they he becomes a real close talker. Close talker is like not even close enough to what he wants to do. Okay, yeah, I wrote down Paul coming on to her. In a big way. Yeah. He's like, hey, we're in Paris. Whatever happens in Paris stays Stays in in Paris. Paris. (laughs) It's the Vegas of Europe. (laughs) Truth. So then, of course, as in any of the movies we watch, as soon as there's a drunken sexual situation, the woman passes out. (laughs) That just, you buttoned that up, right? Nice and tight. <laughs> it's true. No, it is. It is. This is not the first time this has happened. This is not the first time it's happened with Doris Day. This is like the third time that we've seen, I feel like. Yeah, but this is the second time with Doris Day. Dude, I can't even remember the last movie. I know we like just watched Touch of Mink, and like I had a really hard time <laughs> picturing her because that movie I just do not remember <laughs> at all. The only thing I remember that is the drunken stuff because she passes out and the bottle gets stuck on her toe. Right. Somehow. I want to know. So the next morning, Janet wakes up and she's just like, what? <laughs> she thinks she's had sex. Yeah, of course. She thinks she is a philandering cheater. Yeah. And of course, when she started, when they wake up and she's like having her nervous breakdown yeah, in she's Paul's crying. lap. Yeah, she's <laughs> crying into Paul. The The neighbor opens the, the storefront and there's Mike outside the window. Angry as fuck. <laughs> so he comes in and he clocks Paul, knocks him clean out. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Paul's yeah, I wrote out. down, Mike sees and punches Paul. K.O. <laughs> so oh, oh, but but he goes, he punches, and he's like, happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> and then walks out. Moon walks away. <laughs> That's my favorite visual reference that nobody will get, where you like the dancing fingers backwards moonwalk. You've done that twice today, or no, four times now. I was concluding the two times, and you just did it there. You have a lot of unresolved anger today, don't you? <laughs> no. Hold on, I have to read my sloppy writing. It's okay. 
We're, um, uh, this is where the party, he goes to the party. Yeah. Makes business connection ski pants. <laughs> what? Oh, he's trying to get, okay, so they're trying to land the whale who makes these ski pants and he uses a lot of wool. Yeah. And that's where, like, everybody who makes ski pants goes for their wool throughout that year. They follow this big tycoon dude who had a German name that I can't remember. It was, like, Lumboss. I just call him Ski Pants. That works. So, yeah, pretty much, like, Mike meets this guy and then flirts with the lady that he's with, and the woman's like, ooh, I'm charming, and then the guy's like, ooh, I like you, come to my party. And well, he like, did Grin! it. He's, he did it specifically so that he would get invited to the party, because yeah. they weren't initially. Yeah. So, they, need they needed the, this invite. Yeah. Otherwise, they were doomed. Okay, so then Janet shows up at this place. It's like some sort of schmancy hotel place. Janet shows up there. She learns about the companion women. Who, they were called, like, they were inferring things, but not inferring things properly to where anyone knew what was going on. Yeah. Like, they are like, is she? Ooh, is she? she? It's like some sort of paid escorts. Okay. Maybe. Some either some sort of escorting of pretty 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 gals making money to be with the dudes. I mean, they're making money and they're probably making bank, but still, they get to wear fancy dresses. Yeah, that's true. No woman you see there is a wife. No wives. No, no wives. No wives. I literally wrote down. This is what sums up the party. Player men have a conference and a philanderous weekend away from their wives. <laughs> and have team building exercises <laughs> in quotation marks oh it's the swinging 60s <laughs> yeah it just made me want to watch austin powers <laughs> janet is mistaken for the personal assistant of uh, mike of mike by ski pants Ski Pants' friend, who was at that party that Janet thought was, um, What's-Her-Face's clothes. So that's where, like, his, Ski Pants' friend met her, mm-hmm. supposedly. But they, the Ski Pants dude confused her because she said she was with Mike. Mike visits Paul. Oh, yeah, he, like, feels bad about clocking him. And then he goes in, sees that Paul now has a swollen right eye, mm-hmm. and learns that the bruise wasn't actually from him, it was from his wife. Mm-hmm. So suddenly now he's got respect for his lady. <laughs> because it took physical abuse. Yep. The guy's turned on by the physical abuse. <laughs> I don't know if he was turned on, he definitely thought it was endearing. Yes. Yes. This movie, there wasn't a lot of, like sex was implied but there was not a lot of sex like there wasn't any type of steamy moment or there was there were cutesy moments yeah not even that no i i mean cutesy in like the broadest definition that there is possible of cutesy mm-hmm. i guess I, like like little kid kitty like disney tv show implying sex yeah that's what this is Okay, so at the party, there's, at the party, there is some 60s party dancing. Yeah. 
some uh, some nice uh, shaking with some kinky businessmen who weren't that kinky. So then they were just uh, gross. What's her face? Janet goes to the powder room and she sees this other woman there practicing. Yeah, and the woman's like, "Which one?" Uh, belongs to you and she says Mike and she's like "Ooh, Mike don't be surprised if I steal him from you which never comes up <laughs> so many plot holes so she goes into the party as Claire Hackett she does the thing she got an ugly dress on um she gets the deal with ski pants and ski pants is like come see me later yeah and kisses her yeah so then she sees Mike, and her and Mike make up because he's like, I went and talked to Paul, and she's like, okay, yeah, you'll hear the story from Paul, and you're fine, right? And he's like, yeah, we're cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I blocked this part out. But then, so they're dancing, and then she sees Claire show up, and this what, um, she's like, well, Claire's here, and he's like, no, Claire's in London. They kept on saying Claire's in London, but Claire shows up, so she gets mad and dumps this whole huge salad bowl on him. Yeah. I don't understand why. Yeah. Like, why did it matter? Like, maybe she showed up. Like, does, does... Think the... She was like, I... She should have said, I knew you were going to come to this with her. That was her whole thing. She came to find out that he was going to go to this dance with her. But still, like, it doesn't... It doesn't make any sense. Like, why Why is she so mistrustful? I don't know. So then Janet, the next morning, hears Claire say, she overhears Claire talking to this other guy saying that Mike only ever appreciated his job and his wife and she'd love to take a new job. Because she's never appreciated enough, which pretty much implies that he did not have sex with her. Yeah. So then Claire tries to leave, but... No, but Janet tries to leave, but then Claire sees her... And she's like, where's Mike's room? And she gives her the wrong room number. She actually sends her to Ski Pants' room. Yeah, to, out of spite? I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why this, this secretary woman... There is, like, some sort of thinking that the secretary did want to get with Mike and found the wife to be in the way of all of this. But if he didn't want to be with her, he didn't want to be with her, so, like... But, like, she was kind of presented as conniving yes okay it just didn't make it didn't make i guess they didn't delve into it a lot it's just all hypothetical yeah because i i guess because she like we've only seen what three scenes with her with uh the assistant so we never really get any in-depth kind Mm. of like stuff with her it's always just this well what if they did this reminds me of the crystal ball yeah where everything is, like, super weird, hypothetical, like, everybody's lying to everybody, mm-hmm. in a way. But in this, everybody's telling the truth. Yeah. So why why is everybody angry at everybody? I don't know. We're almost done. Janet, like, gets changed into this... This was, like, the creepy little girl, like, tutu dress that I was very disappointed by. <laughs> it was, like, the pretty in pink dress. It looked exactly like the pretty in pink dress. The, uh, the, not the Pretty in Pink, but the, the Shirley Temple movie mm. that is Pretty in Pink. <laughs> Janet changes into this pink nightgown. nightgown. She gets into bed with ski pants. She doesn't notice that ski pants, even though ski pants is, like, twice the size of her husband. 
And his head, like, he's bald. Yeah. So how, how did she, like, kiss on him? She kissed him three times. Yeah, until he, like, rolls over and she's like, hey. And she's like, oh, no. And she tries to get away from him, but it ends up waking him up. So he just chases her around the hotel floor. And she's, like, screaming, help, help, call the police. And the other patrons come out of the room and they start, like, giddily laughing and, like, lock her in the room with him. Yeah. So, again, we have rape. Yeah. But, um, fortunately, Mike is in the room next door, and they have connecting balconies. So, like, she runs across him, and he sees that it's her, and then, you know. Then Ski Pants, like, he runs out the, the room, and Mike tries to follow him, and then Ski Pants runs back in, is freaking out. And he's like, what, 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 what's going on? And he's like, it's my wife! And this woman comes in and is hitting him with his purse. And I was like, oh my god, stereotypes. Yep. So yeah, Ski Pants is out. She's... Mike sees um, Janet. Mike sees Janet hiding under the covers in his bed. So he pounces on her. And, like, they break the bed, and then they, she sees it's him, and then they laugh about it, and then that's it. That's the end of the movie. There is no resolution. <laughs> there, there is, like, there is no build. There is no story. I don't understand. So, yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand what this movie was trying to convey. No, it's, they literally, they did not solve their problems. It was like, I think you're cheating, like, they both thought, I think you're cheating. Yeah, they're both gonna have There these... were other people trying to get with them, supposedly. Yeah. But it's like, they're gonna continue to have these mistrust issues because they just laugh it off like it's nothing. And it's obviously hurtful to each one, like, to both of them. Mm -hmm. Because Mike gets very angry about it. She gets very defensive about it. Mm -hmm. So why just not just talk about it? Use yep. your words. Yep. And that's the lesson you, you've learned here today on the Cutaways. On the Cutaways podcast. podcast. Use your words. Use your words. Tell, so, yeah. tell each other how you feel. Love we'll each listen. other. Listen. Listen. Don't just talk. It's hard. I know. Yep. But just do it. You'll be better for it. <sighs> we preach here. We preach here. We preach love here at the Cutaways podcast. In whatever form that you find happiness. Yes. We're a circle. Oh, you're gonna say we're a rainbow. <laughs> a rainbow of love. That works too. I don't know why I came up with a circle. Raining down. <laughs> Happiness. The rain is just hearts. To our pot of gold of joy. Why is that a baby? <laughs> Not baby fucking my pot of gold. This That's is a baby. <laughs> this is a gold. <laughs> Jeez, I thought you knew sign language. <laughs> That's not the sign for pot of gold. What do you want to rate it? One. One what? <laughs> <laughs> One hungry goat. <laughs> we didn't talk about the hungry goat. His, One goat. He's the only character's name that I really remember. His name was Wellington and he was adorable. <laughs> this movie is worth one goat. <laughs> What do you give it? I'm gonna give it one purple bed. Purple bed? It looked purple. Oh, that was in the... The Josephine bed or... The Parisian shop? Yeah. I thought it was more pink. Oh, it looked purple. 
because purple is the color of royalty and if it was what's her face it would have been napoleon and napoleon was obsessed with purple okay and royalty purple bed with one goat with (laughs) one goat can the goat sleep in the purple bed yes okay good wellington has a bed that would be a better movie (laughs) hey guys guess what next week we are watching 1967's the graduate but we're watching it with a special secret guest first guest i mean second guest because because xander was on the show oh yeah okay so first human guest first human first speaking guest right i'm excited I'm excited, too. It's going to be interesting to have somebody else here in our slumber party. (laughs) I'm excited for who it is. (laughs) Because we know and they don't. (laughs) (laughs) You can listen and download our episodes all at thecutaways.com. And you can leave us comments and rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes and other places. I think you can find us on Stitcher. Yes. Uh, yeah, just let us know what podcasting app or device, whatever you use, and we'll be on it for you. Yes, we will make sure. Yeah. Even if there's one of you, we are very open yeah. and accommodating here yeah. at The Cutaways. Right. Um, you can talk to us on Facebook and Twitter at Cutaways Podcast. 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 This movie drove us crazy, but we're here to watch these movies so you don't have to. One of our other taglines. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a good one. Happy New Year. Still. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>